Welcome to our 71st episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We are your hosts. I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. Well, usually people are like, jump right into the episode, but there's a couple of things I I wanted to announce. If you go to our Facebook, uh, you will see a picture of the lovely Sophie, and she is uh, putting out Craig Moore's uh, book, American Panthers, I think. We would like you to swing by our Facebook and just read and maybe buy through her link because I know it gives some money to the Calvary things for tank restoration. So I hate to say it, guys. Um, they need money and you need this book. I mean, it it is really well done. We've got it. Craig's a big supporter of the show. Yeah, big time. Yeah. And uh, we, we definitely want you to swing by our Facebook, follow the link, and buy this book. Yeah. It makes a great Christmas present. I'm giving it out to a couple of my fellow tank nuts. Believe it or not, Christmas is right around the corner. Oh, yeah. Already. That's insane. Wow. wow. How many years uh, have we been doing this? How many yeah. Christmases? Man. Oh, we'll do a Christmas episode. Yeah. We'll have to do one. Lloyd sent us a message. What? How do you say Lloyd's last name? Grunchy? DeGrushy? DeGrushy? His son... Actually plays World of Tanks, and uh, his in-game name is like Arnie Boy underscore Invader, and we wanted to shout out to Arnie Boy. You know, I, I got to watch uh, one of his replays where he killed like seven tanks, and yeah. it was very very cool. I know so it's we, neat. And then uh, uh, Tony Roush, lovely and kind and wonderful wife, <laughs> uh, uh, asked if we uh, had missuses because uh, she is worried about their cooking skills and wanted to send them rolling pins. Yeah. I'm sure just for cooking. <laughs> and uh, 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 no, me and uh, Russ are, are going to jo- join the priesthood, and we have absolutely nobody. <laughs> so don't send any rolling pins to anybody. Uh, uh, I don't think she's going to buy it. Yeah, probably not. Hey, did I tell you my latest really bad joke? I uh, know. What do you call an elephant? That doesn't matter. I don't know. And irrelevant. Oh, <laughs> man. They keep getting. Oh, uh, wow. They, they get mm. worse and worse. <sighs> Let's talk tanks, I guess, now. After that. I um, don't know. It's going to be rough. but uh, We did have a couple more messages. Um, unfortunately, we can't talk about much about what they put in there. People are like, well, what do you think about the 90,000 you know, troops and tanks on the Ukrainian border and, and the TADUs that are being pulled up, you know, and what what do you think about the, you know, uh, Chinese tanks uh, building, you know, uh, up on the Indian border and uh, they're sending all those new tanks and everything up there. And, and then they're uh, talking about, you know, uh, China's building these little islands out in the middle of the ocean so they can leapfrog, you know, or use them as art. I'm sorry. I should be kind. Um, <laughs> they're building these um, islands to uh, store military people, personnel, and equipment. So everybody's asking, you know, what do you guys think? And I'm like, we told you guys months ago this was coming. Yeah. Months ago. In fact, if you go back and get... Like, I think it was last year around April or something. 
we talked about what's going to happen. You know, like I said, <laughs> people, we, we, we forecast this, you know, months and months ago. And, and I, I've posted on Facebook, I hate it when we're always right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know we we've done episodes on the Chinese Indian. We've done uh, the Taiwan discussion. We've done the Ukraine discussion. I think I want to do an episode on the TADU. Yeah, um, but unfortunately, you know, I, it might be a little late by then. But uh, we are going to talk after the episode uh, a little bit on what we think is going to happen within the next few months. Give you a little hint. Hey, Russ, what? time in history would it be perfect for russia to take back the ukraine or invade ukraine yeah and, and what time in history would be perfect for the chinese to hit taiwan at the same time i know they'd have to hit them when we have a really really um be careful with your words charlie yeah i gotta be careful <laughs> i can't say anything against against our current president but Oh man. He's a, piece a lot of, of you guys out there know what we're talking about. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, to my friends over our friends, listeners over in the EU and NATO, uh, Bud, don't don't think the Americans uh, are coming this time. Uh, and, and then Taiwan, you know, the Australians. I, I love the Australians, great people, and they're serious about protecting uh Taiwan, yeah, don't, don't, I know. don't count on us, brother. I know we've got some major issues right now in our country, and man, and we're broke. Yeah, they just passed that one trillion dollar improvement. Oh yeah, and I'm like, uh, yeah. okay, okay, we're we're like yeah. trillions of dollars already in debt. <laughs> Where are we getting this extra trillion man. dollars? Doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I. Do you know what I had somebody um, say to me? He said, well, we're going to get that money because we're saving it all, um, not being in Afghanistan for all the trillions of dollars we spent uh, there. Oh, yeah. Huh. And, and then my question back, okay, where are we getting that money? Exactly, yeah. They're like, shut up. That's why I'm having to pay so much damn money at the gas pumps and at the grocery store right now. Yeah, you know, uh, we have our friend Richie that lives down in Belize. Do you know what the national standard for gas, uh, you know, per liter is? I have no idea. $9. Oh, man. That's insane. Wow. I think we're setting it at almost $3.20 a gallon right right now now where I live. But uh, when we say $3.20 where we live... We are on a pipeline uh, or some nearby gas producing where it changes oil to gas. Our gas prices are always lower here in the Midwest. But if you go up to like where my daughter is, she's paying almost $4 a gallon. Oh, yeah. Easy. Yep. In in Maryland. Yep. So uh, I've seen it as high several years ago was what three dollars and 99 cents a gallon never did quite get to four but it was real close down on the missouri side it did get to yeah. four so we're almost back there we are and people are keep putting those memes out i could sure use a bunch of mean tweets right right now yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> people complained about mean oh, tweets man. but they were also had gas at a dollar eighty exactly 
Well, maybe we'll just go liberate somebody. Hey, there we go. <laughs> now, we find what country produces oil. You know, I heard New Zealand. Ah. We could we could bring ah. we could bring we could on. probably take them on with rolling pins. I'll bet you. <laughs> no, I I don't know. <laughs> you know what? We're gonna get in so much trouble. Uh, let's let's just jump in the episode. Yeah, we probably better. The first point we're gonna talk about is the Leclerc tank, and their second key point is the Tucker Tiger tank. Technically, the Tucker tank Tiger tank wasn't a real tank. It was more of an armored car, but. They called it a tank, so we're yeah. gonna, we're gonna we're gonna go with it. Do you know who did a really good? While we were while I was researching this, do you know who did a really good uh, uh, episode on the Tiger Tank? No, uh, the Chieftain. Oh, okay, cool. You know, if you follow him, I need to get on there. And- so we're gonna cut the chit chat. I mean, we've been talking for probably twenty minutes now. <laughs> We're going to finally get into the episode. You can always fast forward a little bit, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Russell, go ahead and start us off. The Leclerc tank is a main battle tank built by Giot, now called Nexter of France. It was named in honor of General Felipe Leclerc, who led the French element of the drive towards Paris while in command of the Free French 2nd Armored Division in World War II. The Leclerc are called by the designation AMX. 56. While very popular, this is actually incorrect. Yeah. When we were doing our research, you know, there was some, what I like to call keyboard historians that are like, oh, the AMX 56. No, that's not right. Yeah. But if somebody mentions it, it, I guess they call it that. (laughs) The Leclerc is in service with the French Army and the United Arab Emirates Army. In production since 1991, the Leclerc entered French service in 1992, replacing the AMX-30 as the country's main armored platform. With production now complete, the French Army has 222 Leclercs, and the United Arab Emirates Army has 388. For a little bitty desert country, that's a lot it of tanks. It really is, yeah. A lot of tanks. But they, uh, one of the really nice things about the Leclerc is their desert modification stuff yeah. really good. Yeah. And apparently their engines are doing really good in the sand. Because, oh, mean, yeah. You're dealing with a lot of sand. Yeah. During the Iron Spear exercise, October of 2019, Leclerc tanks participated in an inner alliance exercise and surpassed the American M1A2 Abrams, German Leopard 2s, the Italian Ariete C1s, and the Polish P91. I still like that Italian arate or whatever. Yeah, I, I I do too. Yeah, that is neat. That's impressive to you know outperform the Abrams and the Leopards. But give us a little history about this beast. In 1964, studies were initiated about a possible replacement vehicle for the AMX-30 main battle tank. In 1971, in view of the inferiority of the AMX-30 in comparison to the new generation of Soviet tanks, the French Government Defense Procurement and Technology Agency ordered the beginning of the Char Futur project. A working committee was created in 1977 and agreed on a list of specifications. In February 1980, however, a memorandum of understanding was signed with West Germany involving the joint development of a main battle tank, calling the Napoleon I in France and the Kampf 
Fanzer three in Germany. See, and some of our newer listeners or younger listeners will go, what, what, what do you mean by West Germany? Yeah, uh, I know. A long time ago, uh, there was a place called the Soviet Union. Yeah. And there was East that belonged to the Soviets and the West that belonged to, well, Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Crack a book. It's out there. Yep. Fundamental disagreements about its desired configuration led to a failure of this cooperation in December of 1982. It was announced that a purely French battle tank would be developed called EPC. The importation of foreign equipment like the M1 Abrams, the Leopard 2, or the Merkava had been studied and rejected. So in 1965, I'm not making fun of the French again. I'm not. So in 1965, they knew they needed a new tank. And by 1982, they decided, okay, uh, no outside help. Uh, we're, we're just going to build our own French tank. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> in contrast to most Western programs of the time, much consideration was given to active and passive protection to limit overall mass of the vehicle. Mobility for evading enemy fire and fire control systems were given particular attention. Nevertheless, it was a stated design goal to achieve at least double the protection against kinetic energy penetrator ammunition. In comparison to the level attained and then current main battle tanks of the 50-ton weight class was about 400 millimeters per penetration equivalency. The higher level at the same time protecting against shape charges. That's a new round for your tank ammunition episode that we keep telling everybody we're going to do. I know, I know. So we're going to have to do kinetic energy penetrators? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. I've been on Russ's butt <laughs> the last couple of months about the ammunition, but every time we he starts to research, oh, I, I, tell you what, I, I send him a new link. I'm like, hey, did you know about this tank <laughs> ammo? And he's like, no. I will get there. I promise. Like I said, I might have to break it up into a couple episodes and spread it out a little bit because there's a lot to It would be good to do to like talk about, a, yeah. a four-part or yeah, five-part series yeah. as our secondary. Yeah. You know, do our exactly. main, main first uh, point and then second point. We could break it up over an episode. Partnership with a foreign state was sought to limit the cost per unit. And this was found when the... United Arab Emirates ordered 436 vehicles, adding to the 426 units already planned for the French Army. In 1986, the project was started under the name of Leclerc, six prototypes being built swiftly. Mass production started in 1990 with the four-unit Batch 1, used mainly for comparative tests in foreign countries. The 17 units of Batch 2 were shipped with improvements in the turret and in the whole armor. These units were diagnosed with problems in the engine and suspension and were quickly retired. Batch 3 followed with some improvements and have been used to define the doctrine of use and instruction. Batches 4 and 5 were better built, eliminating the current problems in the power plant and are still in service after having been refitted at the end of the 1990s. The second series started with Batch 6 with an added climate control system in the right rear of the turret and Batch 7 introduced a transmission system to the command vehicle and a data system giving instantaneous vision of the state of all battle tanks and acquired targets. It also incorporated minor improvements in the visor. And Batch 8 was a modernization of the electronic system, and Batch 9 replaced the thermal imaging ethos by a Sagem Iris with better resolution. 
All previous batches will be modernized up to the standards of batch 9 from 2005. In 2004, batch 10 was presented incorporating new information systems which could share the disposition of enemy and friendly units to all vehicles on the battlefield and it also had a new armor package. This was the beginning of the 96-unit 3rd Series. By 2007, 355 tanks should have been operational. 320 of them incorporated in four regiments, each with 80 Leclerc vehicles. As of 2010, after a French defense review, each of the four regiments reduced that number to 60 Leclerc tanks for a total of 240 in operational units, with a further 100 in combat-ready reserve. Due to finance cuts, only 254 tanks were fully operational in 2011. Back in the 60s, they decided, hey, we need a modern tank. <laughs> and in 2010, they're like, uh, maybe we should cut back on these. <laughs> um, Started costing them a little bit more than, than they thought. Yeah. Well, having 100 combat ready in reserve isn't a bad idea. But if I was in their shoes, I would be sending those reserves out to countries with cash and selling them to reduce the cost and even generate some cash. Uh, I'm sure a country like India uh, would have taken them. When you think about it, I can see now with the current, did you see the NATO president discussing about uh, the Ukraine and Russian situation and warning the Russians? No, I haven't seen anything yeah, lately. Yeah, uh, they said they were going to stand with the Ukrainians if there was any escalations and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe the French should start, yeah. you know, I know, blowing the dust off some of these things. I know. Yeah, we again, we hope that everything works out. Vladimir um, decides to, you know, take them back from the brink. Yeah. And then uh, Vladimir actually listens to our podcast oh, and, and sends us one of his <laughs> tanks so I can take it over the Boeing or uh, Bovington. I'd bring it to the United States, but I kind of feeling they just use it to, yeah. as training yeah. against enemy armies and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I agree. They'd probably cut holes in the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Why do we do that? I I know why. I know why. Yes, I know I know. why. We, we yes. actually had Rob tell us. Yeah. You know they. The guy had to save the tanks, and yes. he says, okay, i, I got to take out the sides yeah. to use them as training. And it makes sense. I mean, it's but it would have been nice if they would have kept the pieces. And Oh, look, we've talked. <laughs> our, our whole two tankers and a cad have discussed yes. how many tanks, yeah. uh, like the M6, you know, the T1. I know. All those tanks that we've lost to time. Yeah. And that's not even all the experimental I, stuff. Yeah, exactly. I guess we're fortunate to have left what we've got. Yeah. yeah. You know, hey, there, there's an old king tiger out there. Let's let's take it to the gun range. <laughs> That's America for you. Yeah. Yeehaw, let's go to the range. <laughs> um, but I'm sorry. Uh, okay, Russ, I have a few problems with the Lekirk when I was studying it, but it's too early to make an informed decision. Tell me about its gun. The Leclerc is armed with a 120 millimeter model F1 smooth bore gun designed by the arsenal of Bourget under the designation of the CN120-26. Its barrel is 52 calibers long instead of the 44 calibers common on most main battle tanks of its generation, giving the projectile a higher muzzle velocity. 
The Model F1 is compatible with 120 by 570 millimeter NATO ammunition. This gun features a magnesium alloy thermal sleeve and an automatic loading mechanism. Elevation is plus 20 degrees and depression is negative 8 degrees and turret traverse is 360 degrees are all electrically powered. The Leclerc electromagnetic acoustic transducer used by the French Army relies on compartment overpressure for barrel fume extraction while the United Arab Emirates tropicalized Leclerc uses a compressed air fume extraction system. If you're not sure about the differences, again, our main goal is for you to crack a book. Oh, yeah. And if you're like, what what is a tropicalized, pressurized? Yeah. Do yourself a favor, crack a book. Exactly. Yep. And boy, all that sounds so much more modern than one of the first tanks we ever talked about. Yep. (laughs) World War I tanks are just, oh, man, I cannot imagine. But anyway, located inside the turret bustle, the autoloader is designated the CHA. The autoloader itself weighs 500 kilograms empty. In case of ammunition cooking off, the deflagration is vented by two blowout panels. Okay. So if they get, you know, a hit, instead of killing the crew, it's going to blow out on the side panels. Always a good idea. Oh, yeah. The autoloader allows the reloading of the gun while firing on the move, providing it a sufficient rate of fire to deal with six targets in one minute. The nominal firing sequence is below eight seconds, and the repetition rate, loading two rounds of the same type one after another, is below six seconds. The autoloader is managed by a Motorola 680021 microprocessor. The autoloader consists of a continuous link carrier magazine made of 22 cells and a rammer assembly. It can accommodate all types of ammunition that are to the NATO standard. Up to six different types of ammunition can be selected. The main gun is decoupled from the stabilization system, indexed to negative 1.8 degrees elevation, and locked in alignment with the loading gutter. Then a telescopic rammer pushes the round from the cell into the gun breech via a fiberglass gutter. After loading, the weapon is automatically driven back to the specified angle in accordance with the fire control system. In case of power outage, the conveyor can be put in motion by using a hand-cranked electric generator. Holy moly. I don't... Who who cranks that? The commander? Uh, Yeah. All right, all right. I'm going to make fun of the gun here a little bit. Um, oh, wow. Number one, they say that the barrel lows, you know, lowers, and, and so you can put in the round. Yeah. But but you can, if they lose power, they can hand crank it. My question is, how how is the command firing system going to be work if there's no electrical? I know. I, so I. Uh, well. Let's That's say, why you're cranking the shit out of the hand crank. To, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, oh, Lord. Um, well, let's say you have Woo, a, There's yeah. got to be more to it than that. Wow. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm not making, we're not making fun of the French, okay? We're not. Oh. But let's say you have a power outage in a modern tank. You're probably dead anyway. Yeah, you're... But a, an old hand crank may oh. have some uses... But none I can think of. In a modern tank. Ooh. Okay. 
You know, <laughs> that's interesting because <laughs> there's got to be other ways. What the hell is the Abrams use? <laughs> Not a hand Not crank. A, yeah. The ammunition is normally inserted in the autoloader through a port in the rear wall of the turret vessel. A control panel allows the autoloader cells to be rotated to present a new empty cell. Two barcode readers identify the, the introduced ammunition in order to manage its position in the conveyor at any time. If the ammunition does not have a barcode, its type is entered through the control keyboard. It is possible to replenish the autoloader under armor through a port in the inner bulkhead by using the 18-round cylinder located to the right of the driver's position. Okay. Barcodes. What, what did Amazon make this tank? <laughs> oh, we, this one's not reading. We can't use this ammo. Oh, let me find the keyboard. It's under here somewhere. <laughs> I, I got to uh, stop. Don't shoot. We, okay. Uh, and they had cost overruns on this thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. We're not done. <laughs> we're not done. We, we're going to make, make fun oh, of this tank a little bit more. Man. But, you know, like I said, Marcos and entering them into the loader with one of those price guns, like you see in the grocery store. I think I'm, I'm hating this tank. <laughs> all right, all right. What about its secondary guns? The Leclerc is also equipped with a 12.7 millimeter coaxial M2 heavy machine gun and a roof-mounted 7.62 millimeter machine gun. Whereas most other NATO tanks use 7.62 millimeter weapons for both their coaxial and top machine gun mounts. The major exception is the American M1 Abrams, which has a 7.62 millimeter coaxial machine gun and two top-mounted machine guns, one 7.62 millimeter and one 12.7 millimeter. What we mean by that uh, in the Abrams, um, the 7.62 is really effective. Um, how do I say this properly? Against an anti-personnel. Yeah. Yes. And the 12.7. Is really effective against um, helicopters, low, low, low flying. flying. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say if you yeah. were using a Piper Cub to, oh, yeah. you know, do some scouting. Yeah, Emma and Abrams will smoke it. Yeah, big time. <laughs> America. I just remember our for, uh, trip to Fort Benning and those ricochet plates uh, on the back of the old M2 tanks. But, uh, Russ, how are the fire control systems of this tank? You know, I've, I've been sitting here bashing on that. You can't shoot it without this fire control system, but they got a hand crank. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the, you know, uh, fire control. Leclerc tanks have the Icon TIS battle management system with digital communication system, which integrates data from other tanks and upper levels of command. The digital fire control system can be operated independently by the gunner or the commander, and it offers real-time integrated imaging from all of the tank's sensors and sights, including the gunner's SAVIN-20 stabilized sight developed by SAGEM. The Leclerc tank features the HL gunner's primary sight from SAGEM. The sight has two day channels, a direct one with four power and a 10 power magnification and a video channel with a 10 power magnification. The thermal channels offers 3 power and 10 power magnifications. The Athos thermal imager has a detection range of 5,000 meters. It can recognize targets at 2,500 meters and identify them at 2,000 meters. You know, at 5,000 meters, even the Leopard tank can properly identify a target 
to kill. I know. And they're saying, well, you got to get in 2000 or yeah, yeah. 2000 meters before you shoot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's a Soviet tank I pointing its gun at me. Don't know. Let let, let it roll up. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry. I, I've yeah. got my hand on the hand crank. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll go crank ahead. Crank like an sob, but we'll see if we got enough. Hey, how are you going to load around? <laughs> Your barcode gun doesn't work. Oh lordy! The laser rangefinder is of the Yag type. No emergency or auxiliary sights are mounted. <laughs> I, I'm not. All right, I'm laughing. No emergency auxiliary sites, but yeah. we got a hand crank. We got a hand crank. Yeah. The tank commander can observe the surroundings through seven episcopes and the SFIM HL-70 stabilized panoramic sight. The HL-70 is equipped with a day channel at three power and ten power magnification and a night channel with three power magnification. All right, I'm going to cut in. There's, uh, and I want your honest opinion if you think this would be a problem. It says the gunner can take control of the gun, and the gunner can take care of the gun. So let's say the gunner's looking at the site, and he's seeing something, and he wants to fire. Mm-hmm. And the commander's like, oh, I'm going to fire at this. You're getting dual commands yeah. on the computer. And what happens when you do a dual command on the, on a computer, a firing system, it doesn't fire. Yeah. The United Arab Emirates tropicalized Leclerc uses the improved HL-80 panoramic sight, which features an electronic zoom to power and a laser rangefinder. The image intensifier is replaced by an Alice thermal imager and panoramic sight that incorporates an iris thermal imager. Both sites are also equipped with a semi-auto tracker for target acquisition. The combination of the gunner's primary sight and commander's panoramic sight allows the Leclerc to operate in a hunter-killer mode. Okay, hating the gun, um, or, or the you know loading and everything, uh, and now I'm hating the sights on the French version. But the Emirates seems okay. Yeah, that almost they, seems like uh, they're probably able to pay for well. The upgrade, yeah. I'm thinking they they put the German sights on them. Yeah, being like I said, being some being able to see something at five thousand meters, but not being able to kill it until it's two thousand. Yeah, makes no sense. I mean, you literally lose three thousand meters before knowing if you can shoot. Giving them three thousand meters to spot you and kill you. Even some of your old Russian type tanks and stuff like that with their upgraded, you know, tactics or sights and stuff like that at, at 3000 meters, you know, or 2,500 meters, they're going to shoot. Yeah. And if you're still sitting there thinking, I don't know, sounds like a bad idea. Okay. So I'm hating the sights. Um, hating, you know, the whole late loading and ammo thing. What about the protection? Is the protection good? A feature of the hyperbar system used by the V8 1500 engine, is that it does not emit visible smoke during acceleration, allowing to reduce the infrared signature of the tank. The exhaust temperature of the TM-307B gas turbine never exceeds 370 degrees, whatever the engine speed is. The whole fighting compartment must be protected against RPG-7 warheads, and all-around protection should be provided against threats such as 30 millimeter autocannons. Over its 60-degree frontal arc, 
the tank is able to withstand multiple impacts of APF SDS ammunition belonging to the largest caliber currently available on the market. The turret and the hull are made of welded steel plates with a thickness ranging from 30 millimeters to 50 millimeters, on which removable composite armor modules are mounted. Twelve modules surround the turret on six per side. The modules are covered by an anti-slip coating made of fiberglass. The turret bustle that contains the autoloader is protected on both sides against the 30 millimeter armor-piercing rounds and shoulder-fired and anti-tank weapons such as in the RPG-7. The composite storage boxes around and onto the turret have a triple roll carrying the tool set. They reduce the radar cross-section and act as spaced armor. Structural self-sealing fuel tanks are located to the right forward part of the hull in front and above the ammunition drum. Six heavy ballistic side skirts protect the front third of the hull sides. Each of them is made of a composite panel covered by a steel outer shell. Okay, that sounds pretty weak to me. How did this thing even beat the Polish P-91? They were talking it outperformed the, you know, Leopard. Uh, okay, I- I'm sorry. Uh, let's skip that, you know, the protections. Uh, tell us about the engine. The Leclerc has an eight-cylinder V8 1500, 1500 horsepower hyperbar diesel engine and an automatic transmission with five forward and two reverse gears. <laughs> There's a joke about two reverse gears in the French, uh, but I'm not touching that. We love our French listeners. Uh, I'm telling you guys, we do. We appreciate you. Yes. Um, you're, you were a valued um, yeah. member, and it's just we yeah. we, we had— We give a little ribbing every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> the official maximum speed by road is 71 kilometers per hour and 55 kilometers per hour cross-country. And speeds in excess of 80 kilometers per hour were reported on road. The maximum range is given as 550 kilometers and can be extended to 650 kilometers with removable external fuel tanks. The hyperbar system integrates a small gas turbine in the engine, acting as both a turbocharger and an APU, giving auxiliary power to all systems when the main engine is shut down. At a combat weight of just 56 tons, the Leclerc is one of the lighter main battle tanks in the world, and this gives it one of the best power-to-weight ratios among the Western tanks, 27 horsepower per ton. And it makes it one of the fastest main battle tanks of its generation, and which goes about 0 to 32 kilometers per hour in just 5 seconds. Fuel tanks carry 1,300 liters and act as extra protection for the tank, Two 200-liter external tanks can be fitted on the rear of the turret, but these have to be jettisoned before entering combat since they limit turret rotation. I'm glad we don't have video in our show oh, be- because everybody mighty. would have just seen me face palming. And I just threw my hands up in the air. The gas tanks are used as extra protection. I, I don't. <laughs> and then you have your tanks that Boom. Are full of gas. You're done. <laughs> All right. Extra so, protection. So we're going to use these gas tanks as extra protection, but we got to jettison some of them before we get into combat. Can't rotate my turret quite yet. Let me jettison here. <laughs> this hand crank is just killing me. Uh, all right. I hate this oh, tank. Oh, Lord almighty. Uh, okay. Oh. Uh, okay, Russ. Has I'm going to have to thing- look up the reports on how it outperformed. The- oh, okay. I, I, I can tell you it, oh. how it outperformed. 
It's the speed. Yeah, exactly. This thing does yeah. 32 kilometers an hour in five seconds. Yeah, exactly. In reverse. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it would have um, been more better used as a light tank or something, scouting tank or something. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. But this is their main battle tank. Yeah, I know. <sighs> um, okay, Russ, has this thing seen combat? In service, after the Persian Gulf War, the Leclerc has mostly seen deployment on low-intensity conflicts, including 15 Leclercs stationed in Kosovo and 13 Leclercs in Lebanon within UN peacekeeping operations, where their performance was judged satisfactory by the French officials. Oh, oh. The French official said, oh, yeah, it, it works fine. It does. We, we, we've spent, you know, a big portion of our budget <laughs> on building a tank that has a hand crank and that, and that uses gas tanks for protection. You know, Russ, maybe, we, you know, in law enforcement, we should quit wearing bulletproof vests and just wear, like, gas cans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to do that. Yeah, when I go back to work. Yeah. Yeah. No, let's don't do that. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. I'm face palming. Go ahead. As of August 2015, Leclerc tanks of the United Arab Emirates were deployed in combat operations in Yemen as part of the Saudi-led coalition. It is estimated that 70 Leclerc main battle tanks were deployed by the United Arab Emirates in Yemen. During one month, three tanks were damaged, two by anti-tank mines, and one by an RPG, which damaged the grid without piercing the hole. In a single incident, one Leclerc tank was hit and penetrated in the driver's hatch by an anti-tank guided missile, possibly by a Conkers type, an old Soviet era type, resulting in the death of the driver and injuries to the legs of the commander. Now people have a little bit under... When we, sit, when we hear about armor, me and you have researched hundreds of tanks. And we understand when, when people are talking about penetration stuff... You're talking about an old anti-tank guided missile. Some of the other tanks, and I'm not going to say Abrams, because there's other tanks that have taken the big hit like that. Even some of the old Soviet-era stuff in Syria were taking some hits and, yeah. and, and surviving. The brave uh, driver and, and the commander that got injured and stuff like that, nothing against those guys. You know, if you're going to get hit, you're going to get hit. So we're not making fun of there. Nope. But... Sometimes, you know, people don't understand some of the things that we see, how, you know, it would be dangerous. And this is a perfect example of that. Well, at least it didn't hit the gas tank armor. <laughs> okay, I I'm I'm done with the Leclerc. I mean, Leclerc. Uh, let's skip its stats, Russ. I, I think the French should have contacted the, you know, United Kingdom and bought a bunch of their British MBT Challenger 3s. You know, I understand that they want their own tank. Sometimes, let's say a guy wants to make his own ice cream, and it's just not as good as some of your better premium ice creams that you could get at the store. Sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and say, we're not in a position, especially if you're talking back in the 60s and not getting it until you know, in the field yeah, to the 2000s. Exactly, yeah. You know. But it, Charlie, the tank is fast. Yeah, yeah. apparently it's not as fast as an anti-tank <laughs> missile, but, and it's got two reverses. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, let's get the mm. stats and wish the French um, people 
the best of luck with the coming problems that are going to be happening. Um, let's talk about the Tucker Tiger Tank, another <laughs> failure of a tank. Hey, among the initiatives of American industrialist Preston Tucker during World War II was the Tucker Armored Car, also known as the Tucker Tiger Tank. Prototypes of the high-speed armored car were tested, but no operational models were ordered. The vehicle was designed with a very powerful V-12 engine, so it could travel at 114 miles per hour on road and 78 miles per hour off-road. And for you or other anybody but the United States, that's 183 kilometers an hour and 126 kilometers. We keep forgetting that. Yeah, they, I know. What, what do they call it? Imperial? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, we're the only screwballs out there. that <laughs> they, they don't even attempt to try and <laughs> no, teach it anymore. No, they don't. Nope. The meter stick is long gone. The vehicle was conceived as being armed with a primary armament of a 37 millimeter or 1.5 inch anti-aircraft gun capable of firing 120 rounds per minute mounted in an aircraft style spherical gun turret. The turret would have been supplemented by hole mounted machine guns on production vehicles. The vehicles promoted as being so fast it would chase aircraft, allowing it to hit them with more rounds than fixed gun batteries or slower vehicles. Of all the vehicles that might be accused of being too fast, a 10,000-pound armored Willys lookalike from 1939 is not an obvious suspect. Leave it to Preston Tucker, though, to build not one, but two visionary vehicles that were both brilliant and unable to fully realize their broad potential. Tucker's Cyclops-Eyed 48, or Torpedo Sedan, most recognizably represented his enduring legacy. However, before he scrambled around designing and building his own aluminum block engine from scratch, in 1937, he was stuck in bed recovering from an appendectomy. As troubling newspaper headlines rolled in bearing rumors of European war, Tucker's mind went to work. He designed the Packard-powered Tucker Tiger Tank, also known as a combat car, complete with a 360-degree Tucker turret, individually adjustable headlamps, and air conditioning. Which, holy moly. Yeah, you know, again, I'll cut in real quick. If you don't know who Tucker is. Yes, he, he's got some history, yeah. Now, there was a movie. If you're a car freak, yeah, that's something you will want to crack a book on is yeah. this guy. There is a movie, but the movie is awful. Has a, but some really bad historical information in it, but still a good movie. Yeah, and, and again, research this guy. I he know. was awesome. Yeah, the Dutch weren't interested in his ideas, so Tucker presented the idea to the U.S. Army. Its verdict: No thanks, but we'll take the turret. A fully revolving turret, electronically powered units like Tucker envisioned were most common on U.S. bombers. However, one advantage of Tucker's car-mounted turret with its 75-degree elevation range was its ability to track with planes from the ground compared to the more limited scope of stationary units. Though the combat car concept died in its infancy, the details bear witness to the incredible thoughtfulness of Tucker's design. According to a promo film, which Tucker filmed for the U.S. Army, each of the Tiger's headlamps, encased in bulletproof glass, could throw a beam one mile and could be adjusted individually to act as searchlights. 
to make maintenance as efficient as possible on the battlefield, sections of the radiator could be individually replaced. Louvers on the engine compartment doubled as windshield defrosters. The body's 9-16 inch armor plate was entirely welded, not riveted, a shift in technology that was only just beginning. The body's underside featured panels designed to deflect blasts down and away from the car. Maybe he should have went to Japan. Ah, uh, man. And said, listen, rivet, rivets on tanks exactly. are a bad idea. There you go. <laughs> if you haven't heard yeah. of our Japanese tank episode about yeah. rivets, yeah. please go back and listen to it again. Rivets and tanks but, can be evil. I mean, there's no way. Yeah. Uh, Tucker was a genius. Uh, a spotlight headlight, windshield defroster, landmine protection, and air conditioning. Before the time, before his time. Uh, uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're talking the yeah. war's just starting. Incredible, I know. And, and for him to come up and say, hey, uh, this thing can track airplanes yeah. by racing down exactly. the road. Exactly. So he's like, At hey, high speeds, yeah. yeah. And most airplanes, when they do, you know, raise up and they yeah. level out, chasing this thing oh, down. Yeah. You know, oh, there's lightning. Oh, hey, lightning, what's up? Really? Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> lightning has came to yeah. grace the show and give its approval of the Tucker Tiger Tank. <laughs> but what a genius. The Tucker Tiger Tank. Fast as a bolt of lightning. Oh. oh there we go. Put it put, put lightning in it. <laughs> put lightning in your tank. She's like put, yeah. her, put her in the ball turret and <laughs> go to town. <laughs> oh, <Aww. laughs> We, you know, mm. you still haven't posted pictures I know. Of, of lightning. It's been a while and I need and, to. And, yeah. and some people have gifted us um, some toy tanks and we, Russell has a bunch of really cool little tanks, but we need to get lightning laid down and put some of the yeah. tanks out there just to show it. Yep. I agree. What's our number one complaint? I know. Well, the number well, one complaint is I talk too much. Yeah. Charlie's corny jokes. I think <laughs> oh, yeah, the number yeah. one complaint. <laughs> Uh, oh, Lordy. Hey, uh, you want to hear a joke? <laughs> Go ahead. Might as well. Guy walks into a the bar. The Leclerc tank? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Don't edit that. Don't Go ahead and leave that. Somewhere down the line, somebody's <laughs> laughing at that. Um, but a uh, guy walks into a bar, and he's got a bullfrog on his shoulder. Yeah. And he sits down, and the bartender's looking at him, and all of a sudden, the bullfrog talks. He goes, hey, hook me up with a beer. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so he loads him up a beer and hands it to him. And Frog's drinking on it. And he looks at the guy and he goes, uh, you got a talking bullfrog on your on your shoulder. Guy doesn't say anything. <laughs> he goes, you want a beer? Guy doesn't say anything. Bullfrog, you know, finishes his beer and says, hey, that was really good. Give me another one. He's like, cool. And he starts drinking and he asks the guy again. He goes, uh, do you want anything? I didn't say anything, but the bullfrog says, you know what? This actually started off as a wart on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly. Uh, that, uh, oh, no, man. I'm sorry. I don't think that was out of the fourth grade but, joke book today. Yeah, yeah. Or, or bad dad <laughs> jokes. Um, oh, man, oh, man. Do we still have some more information that you can give us on this tank? Yeah. The maximum degree of tilt for which the Tiger's low center of gravity assured perfect stability 
The low center of gravity was balanced with a 12-inch ground clearance and completely armor-plated underside for navigating muddy battlefields and minefields. In addition, each wheel could be individually braked to climb out of ruts, loose ground, or mud. Possible configurations of wheels. Tucker also outfitted the car for dualies in the back or tracks in place of wheels, making it a high-speed tank, depending on your definition of such thing. The standard four-wheel configuration was also equipped with rear or all-wheel drive, the 175-horsepower, 473.3-cubic-inch Packard power plant, which also powered Packard 12s from 1935 to 1939. Okay, this thing goes 114 miles per hour, which is faster than my car now. (laughs) Uh, It's got bulletproof windows. It's got a 37-millimeter auto cannon, four-wheel drive. It's got three machine guns. I, I got a face palm. Why? Why did the army not buy this thing? There's actually a a, a film promo that he did, and it's on YouTube. And it started out with a uh, you know regular test, and it's black and white. Yeah. When we put out this episode, we'll put out the link. Yeah. Uh, so you can see it on the YouTube yeah. channel if they don't take it down. Exactly. Uh, YouTube's been taking down stuff left oh, and right. It's ridiculous. Man. And that brings us to the chit-chat segment. We normally do uh, tanks in the news, but um, unfortunately, as you can tell, this episode ran long because of laughing breaks (laughs) (laughs) and and, and a lightning break. Yes, lightning. You won't hear the part where lightning was doing crazy stuff, but she's currently just trying to get up. She wants up here so bad, and there's just no room. I know. Um, our, well, we're, I'm happy with our new studio and all the new equipment our yeah. Patreon people help buy, but exactly. well, that's awesome. Yeah. But uh, Tanks in the News, I guess, is we can the, touch on it. Yeah. it it's the Ukrainians and, and the Russians. We need to tell people is we've been talking months about the current situation that's going on. And we hope, you know, we pray that everybody backs up and they can work it out some other way. But history repeats itself. And all I can say is the United States might set, you know, this one out if China goes into Taiwan, China goes into India, if uh, Russia goes into Ukraine. But I got a feeling that NATO is not going to let it happen. Yeah, I think you know the French and the German and the Italians and all the other NATO member members are going to you know it's how do I say this? If you look back in history when Chamberlain was talking to Hitler and he's like, "Don't invade Poland." When you get the leader of NATO saying, "Don't go into Ukraine," there might be some problems. Yeah, you know we're not dealing with 1800 technology or 1940 technology people are like oh anybody that goes into russia you know will get destroyed and stuff like that it, it's a different world you know china just released their hypersonic uh missiles and stuff like that uh, trust me we united states has got hypersonic oh, yeah we've had it for a long long time <laughs> probably where the chinese got it yeah exactly not, not accusing them of spying or anything uh, we got to be careful, man. I we're we're going to get in trouble. Yeah. That's all I need is get shot twice in the back of the head. 
I want you to know that if an enemy, you know, country comes over and bumps us off, that me and Russ talked crap all the way. <laughs> We're going to shoot you. Yay. <laughs> you better go back and get your, get your more people because you're going to need it. Yeah, we talk, we talk shit <laughs> the entire time. Let's do some, uh, uh, we already did our shout outs basically at the beginning of the show. Let's do our Patreon. Have we had anybody come back on our Patreon? Yeah, we have. Uh, we want to welcome back uh, Jake Azaki. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Thanks, Jake, for coming back. Oh. Kim and Eric, mad props to you people. Yes. Antonio Bernarda and Alejandro Martinez still with us. Uh, uh, they literally, uh, they, I think both of them, when I tried to say their name, after all these years, <laughs> they're like, we've been supporting you. You still can't get our names right. Oh, man. And he's like, one of them said, oh, it hurt my ears. There I'm you like, go. Fine. Well, oh, I'll tell you what. You can always get on SpeakPipe. Go to twotankersandacat.com, and there's a link there for SpeakPipe, and leave us a message with your- Antonio- How can, do you pronounce your name? Can actually yeah. uh, call us and say- Charlie, you suck. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Martinez can go. You know, it could all, all if we could just cut out the Charlie parts. Oh man! And add more lightning, that'd be fine. <laughs> but we have mad props for like uh, Bjorn Ben, Odious Thero, um, and everybody's favorite yeah, Rick Schmidt. Rick, yep. Rick's outstanding. Yes. I think he was one of our very, very first supporters, and then Odious came along. Not too far after that. Yep. And means it, a lot, guys. It really does. Everybody's stuck with us and really appreciate it, especially after everything that I've went through and you've went through and I've oh, went through. Lordy. And yeah, it's been a ride. Job changes and retirements yeah. and all this other stuff. It's been a ride. Uh, you know, changing studios yeah. and now doing mobile. I'm actually yeah. in, I came down to Parsons because I miss Russ. Yeah. But um, I was going to feed him some steak for his belated birthday, I think, tonight. Woohoo. I know. And uh, yeah, so I guess that's pretty much the end of the show. Yeah, believe it or not, we're not vegetarians, <laughs> if anybody wondered. Two uh, vegetarians go, <laughs> go into a, a restaurant. They said, uh, we're vegetarians. What can, what can we get? And he goes, well, I, you you can go get. Uh, never mind. Never mind. I, hey, you want to hear the last joke? What's that? A chicken, a cow, and a pig go to a barbecue. The end. Gee, <laughs> Christmas! Oh uh, wow! Well, this is Charlie, and this is Russell. Uh, as always, happy tanking and. Have a great week. 